I am now a woman that I'm so proud of. And I, I've never gotten to experience this version of loving yourself this deeply because of what I've gone through. And that was the moment, like just that literal moment out of nowhere of seeing a vision of what this was going to do for other women. And I was like, it's, it's all women and I'm going to bring them together and we're going to learn about this. And by them learning whether I win or fail, that's what I had to say in my head. Like whether I win or fail, they will have learned what it looks like because failure is the lesson. Hey everyone, welcome back to the podcast. This might be the biggest, most important episode that I ever release on this show. And I think the reason that I am making such a massive claim right now is because this really captures and summarizes a really large chunk of my life experience, my journey, my story about doing something extremely scary that thus far in my life journey has been the biggest, scariest thing that I've ever done. Something so outside of my skill set, so outside of my current social circle when it started, so far outside of anything that I had seen or thought that I could ever do, and went on the journey of raising money $2 million to be exact from 54 female investors for a company called Light Pink, which as you know, if you've been following the journey, has now pivoted into the new company, which is a beauty hydration company called Glossy. And this is the story of the ups and the downs and the realness. And let me tell you, get ready because it was not pretty. And it was also the most exciting, thrilling, incredible thing that's ever happened to me. And I find that on this entrepreneurial journey, I will tell you that when you are starting it and starting a business or signing up for this, that it is the biggest personal development course you will ever take in your entire life. And I know that this will leave you feeling empowered, like anything is possible. And I hope that you can find yourself along the journey and remember to never, ever, ever give up and to make sure that you're constantly building that network of people who are not only your crash pad, but your launch pad. And when you have those people in your corner, I promise you that you can do anything. So I recently sat down in Austin, Texas while we were doing live podcasting there with my friend Lindsay Schwartz of Powerhouse Women. And I remember on a walk like a year ago, just feeling so beat up and so low and us saying on this walk, like, I can't wait to tell this story when... I'm on the other side. And I was like, you get the exclusive. You've been here through the whole thing. You've literally been the person who's held so much of this for me and gotten me back on my feet after getting knocked down time and time again. She was somebody really close to me on this journey through the entire process. And thank God, because I don't think I would have gotten through it in the way that I have without her. So you guys, it would mean the absolute world to me if you love this podcast, if you share it with someone to really get it out there because this is all about launching this new product with 54 female investors, the support of women. And I promise you that when you support a woman doing what you want, that is the biggest way to make sure that you are going to be able to do it in the future as well. So I hope that this is the proof for you. I hope 
hope that this is the thing that is the catapult to let you know that you can do anything, even if you feel like you can't right now. And again, if you love this podcast, it would mean the world to share it. And also go grab the product, go try it, go see what Glossy is all about because truly this product was created to get you back into the rituals to remind yourself that you are worth taking care of yourself. You're worth feeling good. You're worth glowing from the inside out and getting back to those basic daily rituals and habits that really ground you in the routines that make you feel incredible and say, if I do this for me, it means that I am worth it. So I'm sending you guys so much love. It would mean the world to me to go check out the product, go purchase the product. Yes, this is my unapologetic ask because it is launch time and it means everything to a small business. And you can go to getglossy.com to go and check that out and get your pre-sale for the deepest discount ever that you will ever receive right now. So if you want to be all about a business that is truly supporting other women, we're going to do so many fun things an affiliate and ambassador program. And I am about to rock that ambassador program and make it one of the coolest things to be a part of if you are someone who loves products and loves to share them. So let's get into the episode. Are you ready? I guess. (laughs) That's how I feel right now. I'm like, here we go. I just got to get into it. I have actually been waiting three years to do this podcast and get to share this story. I have been waiting three years to be on the other side of this story. So we're going to break down the Mm. entire journey Mm. from birth to (laughs) launching Get Glossy. Just kidding. Mm -hmm. So we're going to tell the story of your new company, Mm -hmm. but... The parts of the story that no one has heard. Yeah. The parts behind the scenes that have been really hard, really challenging. We really want people to know how beautiful this vision is, but how much went into bringing it to the point that it is now. So... And I wanted you to be the person to help me tell the story because you were my first investor. You are one of my biggest investors and you also are one of my best friends and you also have been my truly therapist through this whole thing like you have been the friend who has gotten me I know we got to figure that out (laughs) I like have a lot of compensating to do for you no we're gonna Um, by the time we die we'll be even okay great Mm -hmm. well I have to figure that out still then yeah (laughs) and I have gotten honestly a business education in the process and that's that's I know something that from the beginning was a big motivation behind the company you wanted to start. So take us back to the original moment of knowing that you were ready to pivot from personal development. You had a super successful career in fitness to saying, okay, I want to launch this company. Mm -hmm. And initially it was Light Pink, which was an alcohol company. Mm -hmm. And I want to hear like, what was going on in your life at that time? Because that was actually like when we reconnected as friends as well. And I just remember it being a season for you of, I don't know what's next Mm -hmm. until eventually you did. Yes. So that was a time where, you know, on my vision board, if we would rewind like 15 years ago, it was I want to be an author. I want to be a speaker. I want to win these fitness competitions. I want to be on covers. And then I want you to did write a book. And then I actually did. I didn't really think that was going to happen. But you keep going to these different masterminds and you keep on working with these coaches and you keep putting your intentions on vision boards and you get around the right people. And all of a sudden, that magical formula, you start accomplishing things. And I think that 
you know, first of all, there's a, there's a lot there to unpack, but we're not, we're going to save that for a different podcast with just, I got really addicted to achievement and all of those different things. And I think that when I ended up writing the book and after winning, you know, uh, fitness titles that had never been done before. And after starting a big women's event and doing that for eight years and just pretty much marking everything, checking everything off the list mm-hmm. that one day after my book launch, I had done a year long book tour. Kind of, I did one in the beginning of the year and one at the end of the year. And the book was like this big thing that I never thought I could do. Yeah. So I think after doing that, I just had this moment of, wow, I can't believe I did all those things, but I've never actually dreamt past this. I never dreamt past that. I didn't know what was next. I didn't keep creating this vision because I just had this original vision. And simultaneously, I was also starting to feel not as challenged. And what I didn't know about myself then is that challenge is a really big part of what makes me happy. And what I've been really finding and researching through this, like understanding what makes me happy is it's not just me that it makes happy. Everybody needs to seek challenge. They need to go to their edge frequently in order to feel fulfillment. So even though I was doing these things and people were like, externally, they think you're just loving life and crushing it. I was finding that things were becoming not necessarily easy because I had a very busy schedule that I was like starting to actually feel like I had less energy for because I wasn't being lit up and I wasn't being challenged in the same way. I wasn't feeling like any of the things were really pushing me to my edge because I had gotten used to doing them and wasn't pushing myself past that. So at the time, a couple things were happening. That was happening where I was like, I don't know if I just like, what's after the book? Do I write another book? This seems logical. This Mm. is what everyone else is doing. I should just do that. Except I didn't actually love that process. Mm -hmm. I do want to write another one and I will Mm -hmm. do the process very differently. But the process for me was really lonely. And At the time, I was also struggling with feeling really connected to people because I was creating connection for other people, but I was kind of still ignoring it for myself. And then also, I was starting to go to dinner with my husband and his friends. We were living in L.A., we had invested in a company that we were really excited about, Outstanding Foods, and he was like, do you want to come to dinner with Bill and I and like some other people, some other men? And I'm like, sure. You know, that sounds fun. Like, I'll, maybe I'll learn. Yeah. I won't be able to like say anything or add to the conversation, but let's go and learn. And so I'm at these dinners and I'm, I'm listening to the conversation and it's like, yeah, you know, I exited my company for 300 million and here's what it looked like. And they were, they were also talking about how hard it was and yes. also how rewarding it was and the Nick, the next things that they wanted to start. And I was really observing how they also had like so many connections and collaborations and this thing called deal flow. I was like, what is deal flow? It's like when you're in this network of people who just get opportunities and great deals to be able to invest in them and up and coming companies that could potentially sell in the future and you could exit for however much money. And I was hearing like conversations that I was not having with my girlfriends at the time. In fact, to be totally transparent, a lot of the conversations with my girlfriends were, yeah, I want to make seven figures or I am making seven figures, but I'm exhausted. Yeah. Like, I don't know how much more I can do this. I don't know how many more launches I can do. I don't know, you know, what other products to do. And while they were happy at the same time, the conversation around making the type of money that they wanted to make the type of impact they wanted, it wasn't going to be possible doing it in the same way that they were doing it. 
Now, someone listening might be like, well, shit, I'd love to make that much money. Yes. And eventually, when you guys start hitting these smaller goals, it's going to give you proof to be able to hit the bigger goals. And hopefully you will wind up in a position where you're like, I want to make the big impact money where I can create something that creates jobs for other people that helps change a family pattern because they're making so much money that it removes this family curse and it shows people what they can do. And also to be able to contribute to the world, to donate to different things that you want, different charities and different causes and money moves the needle, period. And the way that these men were talking about money, it was so powerful to me. And in that moment, I was like, okay, I want these conversations with my girlfriends. And I thought, okay, how do I do that? And it was this moment of, oh crap, I think it has to be me. I don't know anyone who else has like maybe starting a company on their radar. And that's what really got me started to thinking like if I was to start a company or a product company, what would that be? Because there's a lot of different companies you can create, you yes. can create technology companies, whatever, but that wasn't in my wheelhouse. But what did feel in my wheelhouse was a consumer product because I'm such a consumer. So I was like, wait, I'm the customer of a product. And the way that the alcohol company started was this simultaneously was at a time where I was feeling a little bit rebellious to a couple of the, the communities that I felt like I was in and how we had to show up. Now, pre-COVID, I think a lot has changed where with women, we now feel like we can, like, we're going to dress the way that we want, yes. whether it's on stage or in the boardroom or whatever that looks like. We're going to show up the way that we want. We're going to use more of our feminine power. We're going to come across a little more sensitive. We're going to do the things that light us up and not have people tell us what to do. So at the time, I was really involved in the spiritual community as well, because in personal development, that was like a very big part of it. So I loved to drink wine with my girlfriends. It's always been something that's been like a really fun time for me to like, let's go just get a glass of wine and we're going to talk and we're going to giggle and whatever giggle. I don't know. <laughs> we actually do that. We quite actually a bit do giggle. at our own jokes. And it was kind of being frowned upon from a lot of different people in my life. And I had these moments of, well, I love to have cocktails, but I mm -hmm. wish it was healthier. And I also wish that it was a modality that women connected better over because I think that a lot of like mainstream women who were connecting were connecting over cocktails and they were leaving these parties feeling really empty. And I know that it was because they weren't asking the right questions to connect deeper. Right. So it was kind of solving two things. I wanted to be able to give women something to connect over that was better for them. So it was a light rosé. It was like a light sparkling rosé that I was coming out with because I desired that. Yes. And I was hearing women say, I just wish there was something that still tasted good that was like lighter in alcohol, lighter all around, lighter mm -hmm. in calories. And so I was like, I can create this. I love this. Mm -hmm. I'm obsessed. I'm such a bevy girl. Like I always have five beverages going on. And it was a time when seltzers were just coming out. And I was like, what about a cute feminine can? Why does it always have to be so damn ugly? Like, mm. this is what we want. And so on top of that, I wanted to put three questions on the back of the can that were guaranteed to get you an answer that you needed in your life or a deeper connection. Because I was also going to networking things in LA because I didn't have a lot of friends there yet that I was leaving feeling empty too. And I thought if we just all asked each other these three questions that were all going to be different on the SKUs, this would change the game. So I put this all into a deck, which I also got help with. I was like, what is a deck? That's the thing that you use to pitch your company and your idea. And I went to one of my husband's 
friends, Bill Glazer, and he really, really helped me and mentored me along the way because a lot of people are like, how did you even do this? You have right. to find someone who's done it before. Yes. There is no way that without me checking in with him all the time and going, what even goes into this? You know, we had kind of understood what went into a deck because we had gotten pitch decks that we had kept. And we just looked at like, what does this look like? Mm -hmm. How does this work? Had a bunch of people who started helping me with it that I sent it to to look at it. And when it came time to raise money, I also had him help me understand how to raise money. And you also get these amazing things called attorneys who like specifically know right. how to do that within that realm. So I had a ton of meetings with her, so much guidance on that. And then you have to go into your first meeting or your yeah. first like, like conversation around raising money. And I will say that, you know, I essentially have an eighth grade education. I was homeschooled through high school and didn't complete my homeschooling because I just really wasn't monitored. So I really didn't do much. Mm. And so my stories all came up with it. Like everything yeah. came up for me around doing this because this was not just a, this was not just a leap or a stretch for me. This was so far outside that I couldn't even see the other side of where I was leaping right. to. Like I didn't right. even understand that. And when you sign up for starting a business, you sign up for the biggest personal development journey of your entire life. And it is the ultimate stretch because when you're starting something, you probably don't have the skill set at all to even complete your first six months. And if you want to do something big that is really big and impactful and stretch yourself, you shouldn't even know what you're going to do in the next three months. So for me, starting to raise money brought up everything for me. I'm yeah. not smart enough. I'm stupid. I don't know how to do numbers. People are going to find out that I'm a fraud. And so every single day was massive personal development work and massively leaning on like my community and mentors and asking them for help and being really raw and vulnerable to say, I do not like even when people would get on the phone and explain things to me, what they don't realize is they've been in it for so long that they're, they're explaining to you in a language you don't understand. Right. Yeah. So they would say all these things and I'd have to, we'd get through two sentences before I was like, can you tell me what EBITDA means? Can you tell me what a deck is? Can you tell me what anything that you just said in the last two minutes is? And so I think what people do is they get on these calls and they don't do that. So then they feel more defeated than when they started. Mm -hmm. And so it's a, it was a huge schooling and like, you have to look and feel stupid every single day if you want to get these mm -hmm. answers. Mm -hmm. So that was the start of me like really understanding that I took on something that I didn't even realize it was going to be this big. But I also knew that I was the person to go there and bring this to my community to make it possible for them and to share exactly what I'm saying right now. Because what's going to happen is women are going to start and they're going to feel too intimidated. They're going to feel dumb. They're going to not know the language. They're going to feel like it's over their head. How many times have you been to something, Lens, where you have allowed yourself to zone out and let it go over your head? Mm -hmm. We have to make the conscious choice to not let it go over our head and say, can you back up the truck right. for a minute and bring me with you? And be vulnerable enough to admit it in a room or whether it's virtual or in a physical room that you're with people who are smarter than you in this area. Yes. Be okay with being the beginner, no matter how that's perceived. And I watched you do that over and over. It wasn't like you were a product formulator. You had no. to figure out how to formulate a product. Googled. I literally Googled. That's that's the secret, <laughs> yeah. everybody. You had to understand the legality of it. You had to learn what a deck was. And 
what was so cool from the beginning and what had me bought in from day one was you were committed to doing it so that we all could see what was possible, how Mm -hmm. we could make these dreams of ours come true. Then it came around to the fundraising. And Mm -hmm. I want to talk about that because you made a really bold choice. And I want to hear at what point did you decide that you wanted to raise the money from all women investors? Mm -hmm. $2 million, 54 women. But I know that you did pitch some other investors in the beginning. So take us back to that moment. Maybe what did those first couple fundraising conversations feel like and look Mm. like? And then at what point did you say, this is supposed to be funded by women? Mm. So in the beginning, I... I had kind of watched the journey that of the companies that we had invested in. And there was kind of this group of people who I knew would in like invest in my product. And there was also one particular person who was super like a very high influence person who I was like, I want to pitch them because if I got mm-hmm. their help, essentially their money came with help as well mm-hmm. for getting the company out. So I was like, oh, this is a really good path for me. So I took my deck in, got this meeting, which I wouldn't have gotten if we didn't have mutual friends. Mm -hmm. And it was to a man and he's awesome. I'm still so obsessed with this human, but it wasn't necessarily a company he wanted to invest in because of how he felt about beverage. Like he thought it was a more challenging thing and he just didn't get it. Like he didn't understand the community component that I was going to be doing with women and like why I knew that they would rally around this idea. And it wasn't even looking back. It wasn't even this idea. It was this messaging of like bringing us together and bringing them with me Mm -hmm. on this whole journey. I wanted them to learn the whole thing. So when I left and he was really just honest with me about like, hey, this is why and here's why I'm not going to invest. And, you know, I think you're an awesome founder, but I don't know about this timing. And I'm just I don't really get it. And so when I left, instead of feeling defeated, I was like, that's OK. He doesn't get it. He's not my person. Mm-hmm. And after that, I just had a moment where I was literally walking around my house and, you know, you're just always thinking about it. So it's always mm-hmm. on your mind. And I dropped to my knees like literally, you ever have those God moments where mm-hmm. you get chills and like a lightning bolt? I dropped to my knees. I remember I put my forehead on the floor mm-hmm. like that low. And I was like, it's meant to be all women. Like they get it. I'm mm-hmm. crying because it's so emotional. Cause it's like, those are the things that you need to listen to. Mm-hmm. And I knew when that happened, I was like, Oh my God, I have to carry this through. We have to bottle those moments. Cause it only lasted five minutes <laughs> and then shit gets hard. And so I bottled that moment and let it like really imprint onto my soul of why this was so important. I saw other women like really empowered going after their dreams with safe spaces of being able to say how it really felt because I had already started to understand what it was going to look like to be in that arena. And Mm -hmm. it was fucking bloody and, and amazing. And that's when we can feel the most victorious is when we come out the other side of those things. And, you know, I know that we've talked about this a lot, you and I, but I am now a woman that I'm so proud of. And I I've never gotten to experience this version of loving yourself this deeply because of what I've gone through. And that was the moment, like just that literal moment out of nowhere of seeing a vision of what this was going to do for other women. And I was like, it's it's all women and I'm going to bring them together And we're going to learn about this. And by them learning whether I win or fail, that's what I had to say in my head. Like whether I win or fail, they will have learned what it looks like because failure is still a huge lesson. Failure is the lesson. Yeah. Did you know at that point, making that decision that you were signing up to raise money the hard way by? It's like I did and I didn't. I, I was in enough of a, I had 
I work really hard on networking. So anybody listening, you know, I get a lot of people who ask me how to, how I raised money. I learned how to tell a story, but I had a network that I had built over a long period of time. So you have to have a network or start that year on this is going to, you have to get in rooms and in groups who are doing similar things like that and haven't maybe have even invested or they have to be interested in that. You have to branch out because you're not going to be able to raise money from the people in your small network if you don't have that. I just knew that together we could get this product out as well. So yes. it, was, it was not only because I the the whole point when I was on the floor at that moment was you have to do this for them so that they know that they can do it. And you mm-hmm. the only way to learn is to be a part of it. Yeah. Right. And I knew that when I did this, it wouldn't be in a way that they didn't get to learn. Like all of my investor letters have really shared the entire journey and also just all of these conversations I wanted to teach them. And so at that point, I knew it had to be all women, but I also knew that a lot of women hadn't ever invested before. And a lot of women weren't accredited even Mm -hmm. in my circle, which you have to make a certain amount of money even in order to invest. And, you know, there were a lot of women who wanted to invest who couldn't because they did not hit that number. And, you know, that's even where the journey started for a lot of women was, wait, I just learned that if I have a great opportunity, I can't even do it. Right. Because I don't make that money. So it became actually a goal for a lot of the women to go, I will never, I have one in particular in mind who was like, I will never not be accredited again because I will never miss an opportunity like this. And these are the things we don't know as women is like, even if your best friend started a company, you wouldn't be able to invest because you're not accredited. So what does it look like for you to get accredited? Like, what do you need to do in your life? And, you know, you guys can look that all up if you don't know what that means, but even just little things like that have started the journey of exactly what I wanted. And for women to understand that we hold the power, but we have to not let things go over our head anymore. It's no one else's fault, but we have to accept the challenge of learning about this. Yeah. And in that, what's been so beautiful, and I just want to keep reflecting back to you as getting to be a part of it, witness it from the inside, but also the outside is the education that you set out from the beginning to want everyone to get from this process started at that very moment. Now, I know we want to talk a little bit about some of the challenges. And one of them, I remember distinctly when you were about halfway through your raise, was there ever a moment where you were like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to get this done? Like people hear the story now, it's like $2 million raised. But was there a point where you were like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to do that? So I had hit a million dollars, not necessarily easily, but from within my network. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that was challenging, but I had I had found some momentum and it felt really good. So raised a million dollars. I was like, this is going to go great at about a million. Um, you know, we were de- we got deep into covid during that. And I had somebody who I just absolutely adore and really look up to who's raised a ton of money. And she was like, you need to get this raised in like a month, your other million, or you're not going to be able to raise it through COVID. Like everyone's going to stop, like the faucet's going to shut off. And I was like, well, shit, this took me a year to raise the first million. I'm never going to be able to raise two million and the second one. And I've exhausted my network. I was like, I don't know who else can invest. And so that got into my head for a hot second. The one thing is even the people you look up to the most will tell you something that you have to decide if you're going to accept it as truth or not. And I decided to say that that isn't true because I can Mm. continue to find more network. And so what I ended up doing there is going, I have to get outside the network and I have to start being more bold on asking people. So even I would have guests on my podcast and if it resonated and I knew that they 
were accredited or I knew that they, you know, could be someone who could help me get this product out. I had to have no shame and be like, Hey, I have this company. I would love for you to look at it. Like, can I send you the deck after this? And I would kind of plant the seed in the podcast. Like if they would be talking about their company, I would say, you know, I have this company right now and I'm in the middle of a fundraise. If you go back and listen to my stuff, yeah, I don't ask them, I remember but I mention saying I have a company right now. I'm in the hard thing. I'm in the hard times. I'm literally trying to raise this money and I'm struggling or just like, and so I get it. Like you yeah. just can resonate. And the one thing that I've learned is when other people are in the arena too, and you mentioned you are, there's so much respect and admiration immediately that comes between both of you. Because when you have stepped up to a big dream like that, other people want to help. Mm-hmm. And so when I would mention it, you know, I had, I had one amazing woman who after the podcast was like, send me your deck. And so I sent yep. it to her. And the next day she gave me a hundred thousand dollars after a call. And then she that. found 10 women and sent me an email chain with 10 names on it, two of them celebrities. One of the celebrities ended up investing right away. And like, I think maybe one or two other people invested from this chain. And that was the realization of you got to keep proclaiming what you're doing and be loud and proud about it and tell your story, but also be vulnerable Mm. because people don't want a founder who is almost like so confident that they're naive. And so So true. I was very vulnerable and very real, but also showed them like, I'm not going to quit. And now looking back, that's a huge reason that people say they invested is you didn't you didn't say you had all the answers. In fact, on the calls where people decided to invest, it was because I said, I don't know that yet, but I'm going to go and get you these five answers that I don't know. And I'll get them due by tomorrow. Hey, y'all, if you didn't know, Earn Your Happy is now a part of the Growth Day Podcast Network. This is so exciting to me because I have been looking for a really good home for the show for, I can't even tell you, years, literally. And now I've finally been able to come together and collaborate with other people who have incredible shows and I want to share them with you. One of the shows is Motivation with Brennan Bouchard. And you guys, if you don't know about the beginning of my career, I literally started with Brennan Bouchard's work. It's how I launched one of my very first online courses and membership sites was because he gives so much advice that you can integrate and implement immediately. And that's what you're going to get on the show. Not just motivation, but you're going to learn exactly how to get your stuff out in the world. And not just that, but Brennan runs in the most incredible group of humans who are really doing the thing out in the world that you want to be doing. So go check it out. Go subscribe to Motivation with Brennan Bouchard. I promise you this is going to be one of those shows that no matter when you tune in, you're going to get value. Like it's not one of those that you're like, God, I listened for 30 minutes and I didn't get what I wanted. Like from the beginning, you're going to get something that changes your life or changes your business. So go check it out. Motivation with Brennan Bouchard. I know you're going to love it. I'm obsessed. I mean, that alone is a business education. Just really that idea of there are going to be those points that you're going to hit the limit of what you know yourself to be capable of. Mm -hmm. And everything you learn about yourself is on the other side of that. So you raised the two million. Mm -hmm. I remember just like how exciting that was when you realized that you had pushed through and you hit that moment. And then you start to actually build the company. Mm Tell us what happens next. Well, like, this is where it just got so fun because <laughs> this was during the pandemic. Yeah. And like, I don't know, what what wall do I want to tell you about first during that time? So I needed aluminum cans. 
And there was something in the aluminum world called the candemic. And it was a thing. Is, it was a real thing where, you know, we're going in and we're formulating, we're trying to get this formula right. And the thing about the formulas as well is that you have to give them time because sometimes you don't know how they're going to be when they sit. Sometimes you don't know how they're going to be once you ship them. You don't, you literally don't know all of these variables. So it's not something that can really be rushed. Mm-hmm. And it's just this back and forth of formulation. And, and that was taking a while. And then when we finally got to a place where we were like, let's tart, start to set up our supply chain and our our co-men who's going to like, you know, put the formula into the cans and then let's talk about warehousing and then let's talk about shipping. Those are so many moving parts that you have to understand how they all talk to each other as well. So the first thing about the pandemic is that we couldn't even get our hands on aluminum. And so when we finally found some people who were like, oh, yeah, we can do we we found this, but it has to you have to make sure it's these type of cans because there's actually people who are making fake cans and putting this name on it. But if you get those and you don't know that they're the fake cans, it's like buying fake Chanel or, or like right. <laughs> fake whatever on New York streets. Your cans can start to explode after a certain time. Oh my gosh. And so I'm like, this is so insane that we can't even find cans to put our product in and the prices start going up. Of everything mm-hmm. as well mm-hmm. because supply and demand and i remember i wanted gold lids really bad i remember that they were so pretty these bronzy gold they lids. were so pretty and so i'm looking for these lids and i'm i'm or i'm finally finding them and we're pricing them out and i remember it was like kind of at a decent price and then by the time we got you know deeper into covid all of a sudden the minimum order quantity this is a real thing in, in the supply world the minimum order quantity is now going up because they're like, we don't necessarily need to work with all of these smaller people because it's a waste of our time and money. And they made a million minimum order quantity. Like I would have spent all my money on lids. Right. And so just everything had to change so frequently. And that's just one tiny example of the type of thing that we were dealing with. I started to watch my margins slip slowly through COVID. So as I'm even trying to find these people and build these things, my margins are going down, 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 watching any possible profit start to disappear. And I'm starting to learn that this company might have to either be operating in the red until we get bought. And I might have to, my job might have to go from being like full-time just at the, that point marketing and everything along with my incredible team, uh, Lauren Kuhlman. It was just two of us at the moment while we were building um, these other fractional teams, which we were using, but really thinking I'm going to have to go full-time raising money. Mm-hmm. And these realizations were like, do I even have a viable business anymore? Mm-hmm. And that question started to pop in the back of my head throughout this whole thing going, okay, is this even smart? But at the same time saying, no, I'm going to bust through these walls. I can do this. We can figure it out. As soon as, you know, we get more and more customers, our costs will go down. So I am taking the biggest gamble of my life going, okay, we're going to get these customers there. They're going to have to be there because if not, my runway is like a year. So launch runway year runs out. If I don't raise more money and get a certain large amount of customers, we're done. Right. Which is so much pressure. There's already pressure to launch a new product. There's already pressure you're feeling from having raised $2 million from these investors. Then it's, and I can, I can almost like put myself into your shoes in that moment. And I remember so many of these moments with you. It's like, 
You don't want to give it up though, because you've already invested what what was it at that point? Two years of your life almost into this. Two company? years of my life. So the fundraise was like a, a little over a year and then starting it. So yeah, we were like two years in. Yeah. How did you in those moments of challenge, especially in that season, what did it look like to support yourself? I got to see some of it, but take us to like what was one of the lowest of low moments that you remember? And how did you support yourself? Because you're still here and you're thriving. And I can't wait to get to this part mm. of the story. But there were some really dark moments, I know. There was probably a couple of weeks there where I spent more time under my desk crying for real, literally yeah. under it in a ball without even telling my husband because I was like, I don't want him to even see me this way. Mm -hmm. And I would cuddle my dog and just not even know what to do. Mm -hmm. And you picture a worst case scenario. And I would picture like losing all of these women who maybe stretched to invest in me mm. and losing their money that quickly to something that you start to say things like, I'm such a fool. I'm so foolish. How did I think I could do this? Mm. Like your bloated fucking confidence and ego, like you start to say really horrible things to yourself. Yeah. Like, and that's not even who I think I am, but you're in these dark moments of I'm never going to come back from this. People are never going to buy my programs. They're never going to invest in me. I'm going to be the girl who lost all their money. And, you know, I, like really icky thoughts too of like, you know, Chris and I had made money in other ways. We were making money in other ways in our life. And it was these thoughts of like, okay, why didn't she just use her money or invest more or whatever, which we did. We invested a ton, a ton. into this company. right? And it was just these awful moments of, of, feeling like women were going to just think I was terrible. Mm. Like I was just a really bad person and I was foolish with their money or yeah, just not smart with what I was doing or I mean, you name it, just all of the things. And that was a really tough spot because at night I could not stop waking up in the middle of the night for like two to three hours with massive anxiety and panic attacks. And I haven't had that in a really, really long time. And supporting myself looked like I wasn't supporting myself because building was fun because it was challenging, but it was also terrible because we just kept getting no's and everything was falling through and teams were falling through. And just to give an example of how challenging it got for startups, just I'm speaking to every startup right now. You know, during the pandemic, when we were looking for shipping and warehousing, normally you could go and say, hey, here's my product. What is the pricing on this? And they would take you like someone will take you. What was happening is they weren't even taking people and they definitely weren't wanting to take startups because startups were leaving them high and dry because they were running out of money left and right. And so not only were they leaving them high and dry, sometimes they couldn't pay for the rest of their product. And sometimes they were left with product on hand. And like, let's just say I somebody, you know, makes all of these cans and they can't even pay to get them out of their warehouse. So then the warehouse is now stuck with product that they have to go and destroy. And that costs them a lot of money. So these places had stopped taking startups, but I had to go, if I wanted to even get a warehouse or shipping, what was happening is I had to go, I created a deck to pitch myself on why I thought this was going to be successful. So I was pitching places where normally you're just they're happy to have your service. Right. You're doing business with them. And, and on you top had to pitch of that, yourself as a customer. They were like, yeah, imagine pitching yourself as a customer. Like, I'd like to give you money. And Here's then me saying, okay, we'll talk about taking you. And this was a real scenario. But what we're going to need is an extra $15,000. And after month three, if you don't hit this minimum of orders, we keep that $15,000 and you're out. I almost took that deal. I almost took that deal because I wasn't going to get a warehouse and shipping. 
And so, you know, those are the things that I'm like, when I say thing after thing after thing, this is after talking to hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of Komen warehousing. We had spreadsheets of no's, spreadsheets of follow-ups and no's. And it was like, we just were not getting any, any yeses, nothing. So there was a moment Mm -hmm. where you realized the original business idea, I don't know why this is making me emotional, Mm -hmm. wasn't going to happen. Take us back to that moment. What did it take for you to realize that this was a moment where you either pivot or you are actually just going to go in a direction that you didn't want to go? It was inevitable. That we were going to sink. Like I knew it. Oh, so we were getting closer and closer to lo- what was looking like it was actually happening. We were coming out of the pandemic. We were starting, people were starting to come back to work. These companies were starting to take more startups. A couple things had happened at that point though. So while we were securing our supply chain, like all of the things we needed on the back end, finally, it's like, oh my God, this is looking up. Everything is going like we're starting to move. And what happened is our our licensing, we were really having a hard time with it, like back and forth. Alcohol and they, licensing. Alcohol which licensing. Is a whole thing. That's a whole we other thing. And so uh during that they were backed up. They were like, it's 180 days plus. You don't even know when it's gonna happen. And you can't even start to look at your licensing until your supply chain is set up. So it was like we had to wait and then we had to wait longer. And I'm like, I can't wait any longer. Like these women are like, I can't sit on this money anymore. This is killing me and it's costing us money to operate. So one of the licensing things that we have to go through is they got back to us and they're like, okay, we need the social security numbers of every investor. And that's kind of rare because they've already probably done some of the due diligence. And it's like, why do we, why do you now need this for getting licensing? So jump through that hoop. A lot of people did not want to give it. It was really, really challenging. Imagine getting 54 pieces of like info from people. It took a while. I have to follow up with a lot of people. And so we get that. They didn't want to do that. Then the next thing is, oh, we need their fingerprints. And I straight up had women tell me no. So if I don't have the opt-in of my investors, I actually can't move forward. And that was a point for me where I'm like, what is it next? Because is it actually going to end there? Right. And so on top of watching now, this was at the same time that I had a, a girlfriend come into my life that she is true. She's truly an alcohol expert in the industry. Yeah. Genius level. She, genius level. She has helped very large companies exit at billions of dollars. And she also is the person who, when these big celebrities are making alcohol, they call her mm-hmm. to get it set up. Mm-hmm. And so like you name the person, she's probably done it with them. And so this was such a blessing for this relationship in my life, but it was also really challenging because she was like, here's what we're looking at. And I had, I just like had an honest conversation with her and had her look at everything. And it was like, you're either going to have to raise $10 million and most likely operate like in this particular way in the red and maybe not profitable or, and, and maybe still not even have a chance at it working. She's like, this is just such Mm. a different industry and like these giants, Mm are running the show. And so it's not that it can't be done. It's that you really have to look and say, is this the type of company that I personally think I am skilled at in order to bring it out into the world? And I was like, this is not in my skill set. This is irresponsible. This is now irresponsible of me now that I understand everything that goes into it to even though there's the sunk cost 
fallacy. fallacy. We learned a new term we just recently. We learned this term. It's amazing. Sunk cost fallacy means a lot of people continue down the road of the original plan because there's so much money, time and effort in it that they feel too afraid and too bought into like too committed to that thing to turn around and go start something else, even though you know even though you know it's not going to work. So at that point, I knew I actually had like a vision, literally, like it woke me up from sleep. And there was a voice, you know, these internal voices that we get it, that it was, this is a funny saying, but it was turn the Titanic. Like it was like, you see the iceberg. No, everyone just wants to be on the boat. They're not concerned about the destination. They just want to be along for the journey. They're so excited about it. But you're the only one who can see the iceberg. So turn the ship and keep the party going. Like keep the message going. Keep it moving. But reroute into a different destination or you literally are going to take all of these people down. And so that was like two nights before Lauren, my chief of staff, called me and she's like, I just don't know how we're going to get this all to come together. And like the runway and the business and the, the margins and the loss. And I was like, we can't do this anymore. And I, I, I had an out of body experience when I said it out loud. I remember exactly where I was sitting. I was sitting at my desk and I was like, I can't believe I'm saying this, but we can't do this. Like we have to quit. And so I didn't cry in that moment because it was like numb. It was like literally not even bad numb. It was like, I don't know if anybody's had like an experience in their life where you literally are hovering above your body and you're something else is saying it for you. And just hearing myself say it out loud, I was like, I can't believe I'm not doing this. And I think in that moment, in in those instant moments of everything has to shift, like something else comes over you. Something else truly came over me. And I was like, we're going to turn it. We're going to do something different. I had a very small inkling of what it could be just because as I started to see these numbers, of my margins, I was like, well, this isn't going to cut it. Like I need to make another product that is an upsell for when people go to the checkout page, there's also something else that could bring more money in. So what is really profitable that would go hand in hand with this that I'm also obsessed with? Mm -hmm. And so, so an idea came up where I'm like, I'm obsessed with hydration. Like I love it for my skin. I love it because water always helps my mood. I love it because I know I need to be drinking more water, but I don't because I'm a toddler and I want it flavored. (laughs) And so I had already started thinking of this like hydration packet idea that also had benefits in it. And I was actually starting to get a little more excited about that because it felt so doable. And it felt like something that was that could be a part of your life every day, because at the same time as all of this, I was starting to notice a lot of my community was not drinking. They were stopping drinking. In fact, a few of my investors who were going to be big needle movers for me and helping me get it out, they all stopped drinking as well. And I was like, wait, the world is wanting to feel better. The world is not wanting to promote alcohol. There was starting to be a lot of like don't promote alcohol online conversation type of thing. And I was like, huh, this is all starting to not feel that great at the same time. And I was starting to get really, I was like excited of this other idea of like a wellness product and something that could be a daily habit. You have to think of those things when you're starting a company too. How often are people going to repeat buy? How often are they going to use? How proud are they going to be of this thing to play? I wanted a product where women could play the hero with it. You know how like when I suggest something to you that I love, I feel like a hero for suggesting something that could change Mm -hmm. your life. And I had this background of supplements and wellness and network marketing. Like I understood how to move this needle. I didn't understand how to move the needle of alcohol with all the red tape. I couldn't even promote it in the way that I wanted because you weren't legally allowed to. So this just started to feel really aligned. 
So we start to, I say we now, like as though I'm part of it, you but are. I, you I, was there, huge part I was of it. there um, really just getting to witness the whole thing. And it felt to me like the idea actually took steam pretty quickly because mm-hmm. you had been thinking about it. Because of the amazing network you'd built, you had a couple of connections that could possibly get you started on the right direction as far as formulation. Talk a little bit about the product you settled on because it's so genius. It's so timely. And we can even just say, like, you've been told by people who are really, really smart in this industry that it's the perfect time and you really are the perfect person to be bringing Mm. this product to the world. So tell us what we settled on. Mm -hmm. We... Yes, it's called Glossy, and it's a skin routine you can drink, and it's a daily beauty hydrator. It's so freaking good, too. And you put it in your water. It's powdered so that you can take it with you anywhere. It's something that I was already doing and using, but you'll start looking at your house and all the products you use, and you'll be like, I love this butt. Yes. And that butt leaves room for you to make it better. And so, you know, you don't have to you don't have to reinvent the wheel. Mm-hmm. You can just make it better. And so that's really how I felt about this is I was like, wait a minute, why are we just like having hydration with all this salt and sugar? I know that's somewhat of what you need in order to be hydrated, but could we do it in a better way for you without all the salt and sugar? And could we also make this work for us in more than just hydration? Mm -hmm. Like, why am I, I don't need more steps in my life to different things, especially like my skin routine and my wellness routine. I'm already taking all these pills. I'm already doing all these things. What if we made this thing like, so that it has all of these ingredients that also benefit your skin. And on top of that, when you have ingredients that benefit your skin, I can't even get into all of the incredible side effects of the ingredients that we use because they also are so good for you, for your mood, for your health. So I couldn't really fathom how big the shift was going to be going from something that was, yes, it was fun and it was going to be great for networking and we were helping them feel better about something that they love to indulge in, but going to something that could actually truly make women better and give them a habit that makes them feel empowered. Because I don't know about you, but like if I just prove to myself in the morning that I do one simple habit, that I can start to habit stack. Like if I just stand there and go, oh, I'm going to do something good for myself this morning. I'm going to drink this lemon water. I'm going to drink this hydration product. Like that says you're worthy. You deserve this. It feels good to make yourself feel healthy. And from there, you just start habit stacking. And that's really what I feel that this is. And no pun intended, but absolute pun intended. Like this is a beauty routine, a beauty and wellness routine you can stick to because it's easy. It's the little stick. You pour the pouch in. It's just simplified. And I just did not, I've never been a seven step beauty routine girl ever. I used to be like the dial soap, but now I'm like very, you know, I turned 40 older than that now, but I am very concerned about my skin and I want to feel good and I want to stay hydrated and I want it to be something that really matches with my life goals. And the product is brilliant. It's it's such a hit. It's going to be, it's going to be something that becomes part of our daily routine You were all excited. You saw that the margins were better. There were so many things that it was like, okay, this is a green light. This is a go. And then tell us about how you settled on the name Glossy. Oh, so fun. We can't step over this story. That was only like a couple of weeks ago, but I'll never forget getting the text from you where you're like, Lindsay, I can't believe I'm saying this, but I have to change the name from the original name you you had. After announcing it to people. After announcing it at Powerhouse Women. Yes. You had announced it, started to talk about it. You said, I need to change the name and I have about a week to do it. And I had just written my investor letter, which if anybody understands, Ugh, I literally just have a pit in my write, stomach. 
even right now, now thinking about that. I am so obsessed with my investors and so damn grateful and obsessed to a point where I probably need to work on it because I don't want to disappoint them so yeah. much that you can't make your most powerful decisions from that state. So I am actually working on like, okay, we need to just make sure we can tap into your power, not worried before you make every decision. That's a, that'll be a whole other, that's going to be a whole other episode. But I had just written the investor, investor letter announcing the name, showing the box. We're about to go to print, right? We're about to print all of our boxes. And what happened is, so it started as like hydration and we were going to add some w- different wellness aspects to the stick. We uh, trademarked within like the supplement category. There's all these different things that you have to trademark your product under depending on like what you're going to sell under. And as we started pivoting and we're like, we are a beauty hydrator. Like we're obsessed with this. Like we like a skin routine you can drink. Yes, we're going to run with this. We love it. We love this idea. You know, it'd be awesome to sell in Sephora and like as beauty and wellness. And we're like, oh, well, we've trademarked this under this category a long time ago, right? So we were being very responsible with our trademark. We're doing all the things. And we're like, we're going to need to go into the beauty category as well. So let's go find out what we need to trademark under. So we do and we we go start trademarking under that. And a couple months go by and they're like, we found some things in our deeper searches. And they had found a company that's a beauty company who uses that name. And she actually built her empire on H2 Glow. And I was like, if I was her and I saw me up and coming, what's the first thing I would do? Yeah. I would get a letter. So I would get a letter. I would give a letter. Yeah. And so I was like, I cannot risk this. And, you know, looking back, the universe is really funny because I was about to print my boxes. So in one moment I had to go, oh my God, I could risk it because some people do. Mm -hmm. And some people say you can exist within that category. Mm -hmm. Um, But that could be a really long, lengthy thing. And so, and it can still happen with anyone while Mm -hmm. you're going through trademark. And it is a risk you have to take no matter what. But literally in one day, I was like, I have to figure out a new name. And so I just started, we were on a car ride. We had to go from, we were driving back from Wisconsin to California And I had three days, essentially. I was like, Mm -hmm. at the end of this, I said a prayer. I set an intention. Mm -hmm. I was like, at the end of this, I have to come up with a name. Mm -hmm. And so I did more chat GPT searching. I did Googling. I was like, put, make this an obscure word, make this a word, like put two words together, make it a beautiful word, use these letters, these, cause these letters are known to be like beautiful in the English language. Like I just went to town. And so I fell on something. I I had like four or five and I was like, this one just keeps coming back to me Mm -hmm. because it feels big. And when I say it feels big, we had H2 Glow and it felt very like a singular product. Mm -hmm. And something keeps on nudging me going, this is way more than one product. And so I don't think it was just, I think it was meant to be that this all happened the way that it was, because to me, Glossy feels, it feels like a person as well. And it feels like something that is so much bigger than a singular product. Mm -hmm it feels like a suite that could carry a lot of, of products underneath Mm -hmm. it. And Mm -hmm. it also, we always wanted something that felt like an adjective too. And so, you know, we've made a definition of glossy and what that is. We talk about being in your glossy era. The definition is a way of being showing up unapologetic about one's glow up, chasing big aspirations and created like-minding communities. I'm in my glossy era. And so we're like, this is a thing. Like, this is not just a product. It's like, 
it's a product for how you it's it's setting a tone for an era in your life like this is the era where you put yourself first you're not apologizing you're going and doing all the things that Mm -hmm. you love and you're taking care of yourself Mm -hmm. so that you can do them and you're taking care of yourself unapologetically honest question do you think you could have landed here with a product you are so excited. I told you every time I see the branding, I get turned on. (laughs) That was kind of, it's kind of joking, but kind of not. It's so good. It comes alive. Mm. It's now at this point where you place the the first purchase order. It's about to go into pre-sale, which we're going to talk about how to be the first to get your hands on it at the end. Do you think you could have gotten to this point without going through all the challenges you went through? No. And I would have never landed on this product And I don't actually know if I could have raised the money for this exact product in the way that I did. I just think we don't understand that ideas are, you know, they're seedlings when you get them and you don't know what they're going to grow into. And you have to trust that all of the challenges are just going to lead you to the next amazing answer. And that's something that if anybody is listening, like you just have to keep blazing down the path and pivot when you've had a couple people look at it who are very smart and not not just a couple people. I had five or 10, you know, different people. And I think that you not, I think you cannot do this journey alone. The amount of phone calls I've had, the amount of wisdom that I've gotten to, you know, experience and extract from people about this journey and, and the person that you're about to become doing it. Like you have to make sure that you are willing to ask at every single opportunity and let people know that you're new. Like, Hey, I'm new at this. I'm not sure. Here's where I'm at. Don't ever try to pretend that you are smarter than you are because it will absolutely stop you in your tracks and it'll make you fail. And so I for sure could not have gotten to this point without going through everything. And now Now the woman that I am launching this company, I'm so grateful that I've had all these experiences because I think that I wouldn't be able to get it out in the way that it is if I wouldn't have gone through all the challenges and learned the lessons. I'm so proud of you. Mm. I'm just like having that moment that I think I knew I would get to have, seeing it like come to life. Mm. And there's so many things I'm excited about, but I'm, I'm just grateful for the journey. I'm so grateful to be on the journey. What is the thing you're now most excited about as the company launches? Well, I can't I can't just leave that there either. I just have to say that you were that person on walks where I screamed, I cried. I was like, I don't even know how to escape my own brain right now. Mm. And you helped me so much through those moments. Mm. You can't you have to find those friends or you're just you can't do it alone. So I'm so grateful. Um, so what am I most excited about? There's so much to be excited oh, about. I'm so excited. Not only about the so the product, I'm most excited about the product. Same. But number two, we're going to have the most incredible affiliate ambassador program. You know, I'm taking the best of my network marketing days and how I knew how to build communities. Mm-hmm. And I am going to create something where women not only get to come together, but they get to get paid based off of a product that they love. And they get to also become a leader within that. So those are the things that I really wanted is women to feel a leadership role within, you know, if they get to become an ambassador, that they get to feel a leadership role within that and they get to help other women make money and that we all get to celebrate on different trips and through different experiences. So I can't wait to launch that and build that out. That's the program that I'm most excited about. Well, I can't wait to be a part of those. I'm just (laughs) inviting myself along. You heard it here. Any trip you're doing, I will probably be there. I'll just pop up with like sunglasses, like uh, in in Bridesmaids, where she's like, no, it's not me. It's Mrs. Iglesias. (laughs) So 
pre-orders are starting like soon. By the time people hear this episode, yep. they will be able to get on the list for to be the first. So I don't know how much you can share. I'm going to set you up to tell us how do we get on the list? How can we be the first to get our hands on Glossy? Okay, so to get on the list, which you guys, this you is for be this, this is for everything. This is going to be like if you want to learn about affiliates, ambassadors, products, because when we launch, it will actually be the lowest cost we'll ever do in the history of Glossy. Like that will be the lowest cost. So you're going to want to text the word Glossy, G L O C I, G L O C I. I'm in my Glossy area. Yes, you're in your Glossy area. So uh, era, era and area and area. Text the word Glossy to three one zero four nine six. 8363. And you can also look below into the show notes. We have that link all down there that you can just text the word Glossy and that's going to get you on the, on the list. And I have to tell you that we are, this is very real. This is not just saying it. We actually are doing a really limited drop the first time. Yeah. Because we want to have that particular group as kind of our beta group who's going to like, Help us with some user-generated content. They're going to give us feedback on it, see if we need to do any tweaks, all of that stuff before we do another big run. Mm -hmm. So that truly is like the, that's going to be the OG community. We're going to tap on them a lot. It's going to be a really special community of people. So that's only going to go first through text list. And if we run out, we run out until we can quickly make more products. Yeah. And I'm just going to take my moment here to be the friend that just says what we really want people to do because love this. Here's the thing. If you are a woman who has ambitious, if you I'm like, I need to look at the camera right now. If you're someone who's launching big dreams, put yourself in a position to support another woman's big dream. The community we're going to build around this, the conversations, just like you said, you're going to be starting conversations that your friend group right now might not be having. So the best way to be a part, to set yourself up, to receive this kind of support when you launch your big thing is to enthusiastically support someone else's big dream. The best thing you could do, if you listen to Lori's podcast, if you listen to mine, you are someone who is up to big things. And when we support one another, when we're having that moment, that's actually how we open ourselves up to receive that level of mm-hmm. support the next time we do a big thing. So get out your credit cards, everybody. <laughs> credit cards, please. Yeah, right. I feel like we're on an infomercial now, but I'm just so proud of you for the whole journey, for mm-hmm. the person you've become, for the lessons you've given me. And we're really just getting started. Mm. Well, I love you. I could not, I can say this in full truth. I could not have done this without you. Mm. Could not have done this without you. So there's no other person that I would have rather had this conversation with. I love you and I'm so grateful for you. And you guys, you will get to be in on this love fest if you decide to be a part of this community. So I'm really excited to move forward and show women what is possible. We're all about to be in our glossy era. Everyone, thanks for tuning in and we will see you next week. Hey all, I'm so excited to share with you, Earn Your Happy is now part of Growth Day Podcast Network. A bunch of us are coming together to bring more growth to the world and support shows and brands that we truly believe in. And one of my friends is also on the network and I'd love for you to go subscribe to his show. You guys, Trent Shelton has the most incredible podcast. It's called Straight Up with Trent Shelton. And it's going to remind you that you are built 
for this. I have heard Trent speak in person multiple times. I've listened to his podcast a ton. He's coming on the show and I literally cannot wait because this man just spits straight fire. It is like truth that goes to your core and makes you take action right away. If you want one of those podcasts that when you're just out on a walk, you can't help but want to start running and run through a wall in your life, this is the show to go listen to. So you guys make sure that you go subscribe to the show straight up with Trent Shelton. You're going to love it. Hey, I know if you're listening to this podcast that you have big dreams and big goals. And one of the things that can really stop you is struggling with your marketing. Trust me, I have been there. Are you using 10 different systems just to build your online business? Then I want you to try Kajabi. Kajabi helps you build your web pages, set up funnels, and sell your courses, content, coaching, or communities. You've been hearing me talk a lot about funnels on this podcast and the importance of your email list. You can get a free trial at kajabi.com. That's K-A-J-A-B-I.com. I've talked about Kajabi before, but here's something that's super cool and new. They just rolled out an AI assistant for creating your online course curriculum. And this means you just type in a topic that you want to create on a course or webinar and bam, it's just generates a sample outline for you. It takes a ton of the hard work away. Of course, you're going to customize it to be your own, but this really helps you get over the struggle of how in the world to start which is where most people stop. If you're like me, starting is always the hardest part and that's what makes Kajabi so popular. They've made it easier for creators to build web pages, build courses, build coaching programs, build membership sites, build checkout pages, and build email funnels. So if you're struggling with any of those, you gotta go check it out. Go to kajabi.com. Kajabi was really the first all-in-one system and is trusted by over 100,000 creators. I think that's good enough for me. Also as influencers and marketers who use this. And now their smart AI platform makes it easy to take what you know and turn it into an online course and business. Go start building with a free trial at kajabi.com. That's K-A-J-A-B-I.com.